Good morning. Uh, welcome to Blacknell. If you are a visitor, we're glad that you are here. If you've uh, been a part of Blacknell for a while, we're glad you're here. If you've been part of Blacknell and this is your first time back, welcome back. As we are figuring this out, watching the kids figure out how to grab the rope and walk out, uh, things have gotten complicated in our lives, but uh, it's good that we can, can be together. There is a, a black pad there in your pew. If you could take that and sign that, uh, let us know that you're here. That would be helpful. We continue in our looking together at the Gospel of Mark. And this morning we are in chapter 6, looking at the first six verses. Listen again to God's word to us. Jesus left there and went to his hometown, accompanied by his disciples. When the Sabbath came, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many who heard him were amazed. Where did this man get these things, they asked. What's this wisdom that has been given him? What are these remarkable miracles he is performing? Isn't this the carpenter? Isn't this Mary's son and the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? Aren't his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor except in his own town, among his relatives, and in his own home. He could not do any miracles there except lay his hands on a few sick people and heal them. He was amazed at their lack of faith. This too is worth the Lord. Thanks be to God. Jesus couldn't do any miracles there except lay his hands on a few people and heal them. And he was amazed at their lack of faith. Jesus was amazed. As we read the Gospels, only two times are we told this ever happened, that Jesus was amazed. Almost always people are amazed at Jesus, but only twice is Jesus himself amazed. And as we read this, we stop and have to wonder, why was Jesus amazed? What would have been surprising to Jesus? What would have caused him this amazement? Here in his hometown of Nazareth, he is amazed at the lack of faith of the people that he lived with, that he'd grown up with, had shared life with for almost 30 years. These people who knew him the best took offense at him and could not believe. How is it possible that these neighbors could not believe? If we were giving this sermon a title this morning, I think the title would be The Miracle of Unbelief. Jesus is still amazed today. He is still amazed because there are many people who know Jesus the best, yet who still refuse to believe. We know some of these people. Might Jesus be amazed at us this morning? Some of us have known Jesus for a long time. I want us to think together about unbelief. Why is it that Jesus' hometown took offense at him. Why could they not believe? And I wonder, will this help us to, under, to not just understand our own unbelief, but more importantly, will it help us to repent and believe? So why didn't they believe? 
The text tells us that Jesus was teaching in the synagogue and the people were amazed. And this is normal. People normally were amazed at Jesus. He amazed people all the time. But verses 2 and 3 recreate the sense of, of buzz and rapid-fire questions that came with Jesus teaching in the temple. We hear these six questions in verses 2 and 3 raised one after another. And think of these questions as a scale. The first three questions are on one side of the scale. Where did this man get these things? What's the wisdom that has been given to him? What are these remarkable miracles he has been performing? Where did he get this wisdom, this power? We have never seen it before in him, apparently. Where did he get it? But we cannot deny it. There is strong evidence here that Jesus is at least a prophet, perhaps the Messiah. But then the next three questions come. Isn't this the carpenter? Isn't this Mary's son, the brother of James and Joseph and Judah and Simon? Aren't sisters here with us? These three questions, isn't this the carpenter? The word for carpenter can mean any kind of a, a, a stonemason, a, a skilled worker. One translation puts it, isn't this the construction worker? Isn't this Mary's son? Is a strange way to ask the question, right? Normally in that society, a person was identified as a son of the father. We'd expect, isn't this Joseph's son? But they say, isn't this Mary's son? And we're not sure if this is perhaps a rebuke of Jesus. Was there still gossip as to who Jesus' father was? And aren't his sisters here with us? Don't we know these people? On one side of the scale are the undeniable wisdom he has and the miracles he has been performing. On the other side of the scale are the facts, the facts of what we know about him. He has been working in our midst and we know his family. How could God's Messiah come from this family that we know? How could be a man who's been nothing but a carpenter, a construction worker here in our hometown? Teaching, Wisdom, miracles, construction worker, family, Nazareth. And we're told that they take offense at him. It's the form of the Greek word scandalon, which means stumbling block. They stumbled over him. That's where we get our word scandal. They stumbled over him. They stumbled over his ordinariness. They reject him because of their familiarity with him. They know his family. And I wonder if this is true with us. Do we reject Jesus because we know his family? We know these people who claim to be his brothers and sisters. And the church is a stumbling block. These Christians, didn't they do the crusades? Didn't they justify slavery with their Bible? What about all the sexual abuse in the church today? And sadly, the church throughout history has given plenty of reasons for people to stumble. Even Blacknall, this congregation, at various points has been a stumbling block. People have refused to believe in Jesus because they know us who claim to be his brothers and sisters. We know children of this congregation who no longer believe in Jesus, who refuse to follow him because Blacknall has been a stumbling block. And we lament and we grieve over that. 
But people still stumble over the ordinariness of Jesus. Jesus had a mom like Mary. He had brothers like James and Joseph and Judah and Simon and sisters like the ones they knew. <coughs> Jesus has sisters and brothers today like Goody and me, <laughs> like Beth and Wen. And we may be disappointed that Jesus has such ordinary siblings and he has such messed up siblings like us. But Jesus is here. I think Jesus was amazed because these people knew him but rejected him anyway because he was too ordinary. He was too much like them. They were looking for someone more extraordinary. Jesus was doing extraordinary things, but his form was ordinary. He was a construction worker. He didn't have any advanced degrees. He hadn't studied in Jerusalem. He didn't look like a messiah. Heck, he helped me build my back porch, right? <laughs> if you are new to Blacknell or if you've been part of Blacknell for a long time but find yourself disappointed with this fellowship, then please know that we are going to disappoint. Jesus' family is far from perfect. But Jesus is here. You will find him here. I wonder if we have the same problem with Scripture. If Scripture is too ordinary for us. We stumble because of its humanness. We're taught that the Bible is the inspired word of God, and, and perhaps some of us have learned that from our childhood. We knew that. The Bible is the inspired word of God, and then we read it and study it, and we begin to discover that it was written by human authors. We realize that Luke had different emphases than Mark, and John has a whole different version of how things happened. And we stumble, we take offense. We conclude this is just a human book written by men. But the Bible is like Jesus. Yes, it is a human book written by human authors who wrote in their own voice with their own ideas. But it is also a divine book inspired by God. It's not just written by men, but written by people who are guided and inspired by the Holy Spirit. God speaks to us through its humanity, through David, through Jeremiah, through Paul, God faithfully, truly reveals himself, his way, his kingdom. All of this makes me wonder about our own unbelief. Are we too familiar with Jesus? Do we stumble over him because we think we know him? Let me ask you, what did you expect coming this morning? Did you expect we'd sing a couple songs? The pastor would preach a sermon, hopefully not too long, maybe with a good story in there somewhere. Not sure how we're going to do communion this week, but we'll do communion. <laughs> sing another song. Maybe get a chance to talk with a few people afterwards. Is Jesus unable to do any miracles here because we all know what Jesus does here. He gives us a little inspiration to get me through the week. He's given me a nice group of friends here. And that's it. But what if Jesus wants to do more this morning? 
What if Jesus wants to do a, mu- a miracle through us and in us? What if Jesus wants us to be the ones who start the revival that this city and our nation desperately need? What if he wants us to be the missionaries in Durham to save this city from its greed and its violence? What if he wants us to be the ones who are willing to suffer and sacrifice and endure hurt and hardship so that we might demonstrate a unity that the world does not know? What if he wants us to be the ones who are able to have those hard conversations about racism or about sexuality without succumbing to the hatred and division and polarization that we live in? What if he wants us to be the ones who name and stand against the idolatry of wealth and power? What if he wants to do a miracle through you this morning? What if he wants to invite your neighbor, your friend, to come and follow him? What if he wants you to simply invite that friend to come to Duke Park tonight and hang out with my church friends for an hour and a half? What if he wants to do a miracle here? A miracle. What if he wants us to love one another? I've seen a miracle (laughs) for almost 39 years. After almost 39 years, Kim still loves me, right? (laughs) I've seen a miracle. She has forgiven me. She has endured my selfishness, my pride, my foolishness. She still loves me. Can we do that miracle? Can God, Jesus, do his miracle of us loving one another like that, committing ourselves to one another, to to stick this out, to forgive one another, to confront, to let no root of bitterness spring up, take root in me, with you, with each other, to know that we will, yes, disappoint one another, but also to know that Jesus is here. We miss Jesus because we expect maybe a bigger miracle or a different kind of miracle besides just loving one another. The hard work of loving one another seems not quite dramatic enough for us. And so we miss it. Let me give an example, (laughs) which has been a blessing to me. A friend of mine here at Blackmill, several months ago, I shared with him a story of being in Malawi, uh, in Africa, with a church in Pittsburgh. We were part of a uh, mission group there. And in Malawi, they really pay attention to clergy-lay differences. And so whenever we would go, they'd ask us clergy to make sure we wore a collar. Right, so they could tell who the, the pastors were. And uh, wherever you went in Malawi, if they saw the collar, they had expectations for you. And particularly the expectation was that you would have a word for them, a word from God for them. And you would have it, uh, it didn't, not just on Sunday morning. Anytime they saw you, they'd say, ah, oh, pastor, please give us a word. And they would expect, again, not just like God bless you. They expected something uh, of substance. And it was uh, pretty nerve-wracking. I mean, and, and uh, uh, you know, not like 
things decently in order here in, in America. Uh, and so, but I woke up every morning thinking, Lord, give me a word, right? Uh, and, and, and he did. And it was a pretty exciting way to live my life, to think, living each day expecting, Lord, what word do you have for me? So I shared this with a friend, and I saw them a little while ago, and they said, I've been wanting to ask you this, Dave, Dave, give me a word. <laughs> and I had a moment of panic, and the Lord gave me a word. Right? And, and shared it. And then I said, well, hey, how about, can you give me a word? Right? And they did not expect this. And, uh, and <laughs> playfully, I mean, there was no pressure. They said, well, and they gave me a really good word. Right? They said, Dave, don't be afraid to ask for help. And that was a word from God for me. Right? Can we love one another like that, right? The miracle of us speaking God's word to one another. Not missing who Jesus is, what he calls us to be. Will Jesus be able to do many miracles here? Or will he be amazed at our lack of faith? By our keeping Jesus in the box of our previous knowledge of him. Two times in the Gospels, Jesus is amazed. Do you remember the other one? You find it in Luke chapter 7, when the Roman centurion comes to Jesus and says, my servant is sick. Will you heal him? And Jesus yes. And Jesus starts to go to his house. And the centurion says, no, I wouldn't ask you to come to my house. Just speak the word. Just speak the word, and I know my servant will be healed. And we're told that Jesus was amazed right, at the faith of the centurion. Will Jesus be amazed by us? Will he be amazed by people who hear the word preached, who study the Bible, enjoy the fellowship, and yet still have hearts that are cold with no zeal for him and for his kingdom? Or will he be amazed when we hear his word and we do it? Will he be amazed when we have the faith to ask him to heal us, to save us, to make us whole? believing that he will. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, you are a stumbling block. Lord, we pray as we stumble upon you, that we would turn repentance towards you, that we would not take offense and walk away, but that we would run towards you. Lord, we ask that you would forgive us for our hardness of heart, you'd forgive us for our blindness, that we fail to see you and to recognize you. We pray, Lord, that you would expand our vision of who you are, expand our vision of who you've called us to be, expand our vision of what you want to do through us. And we pray in your mercy that we might be able to participate with you in the transformation of our world and the coming of your kingdom. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.